If you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game, you have to check out Mini Motorways on Apple Arcade. It's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Pixel Sift. It's a podcast that tackles the news and the blues of the video game world. I'm Johnny, and joining me in the studio today is my co-host Scott. Hello, hello. And joining us over the magic of the telephone, <laughs> we have the frequently travelling Mitch. Yeah, I'm still not in the studio this week. Uh, yeah, I'll be uh, here in Mandra, just hanging out on the phone. He's on He's on site, really checking hope, out the, uh, really the Mandra game scene. Yep. Giving us an update on that one. So today's episode is a special one because we have a double-length feature story on a recent global gaming event. Would you like to tell, tell us a little bit about that, Scott? <laughs> yes, I would. Uh, you're on the money there, Gianni. This weekend just gone was the Global Game Jam, an event where groups of developers come together to start and finish making a game in just 48 hours. We were fortunate to go to one of two jams being hosted in Perth at ECU's Mount Lawley campus. And you'll hear us chatting to the teams there very shortly. There's a lot of great content coming out of the Perth Jams. There was not one but two events, uh, one at Murdoch, which is our sort of our spiritual home, and at ECU where we spend a bit of time on the weekend, as you just mentioned there. Uh, yeah, we'll also be talking high-profile game failures from consoles to software and everything in between. All that and more coming up on today's episode of Pixel Sift. You're listening to Pixel Sift. Or you might be watching Pixel Sift on Twitch. Pixel Sift. Last weekend, aspiring and professional game designers came together to take part in a worldwide event. It's called the Global Game Jam, and it's a 48-hour gauntlet where artists, coders, musicians, and everyone in between take up the challenge to make a game in just two days. 36,000 people take part across the world in 93 different countries, including jammers in Australia. This year, Let's Make Games, the group behind the Perth Games Festival, hosted two jam sites, one at Murdoch University and one at Edith Cowan. We caught up with some of the jammers over the 48 hours and followed their progress over the weekend. So this is Brendan Reagan from Surfire Studios um, at Global Game Jam ECU 2016 here in Perth. Yay, Perth! I'm super excited. I'm always super excited for Global Game Jam. The nice thing about game jams is every time we do a game jam, we often are like trying stuff and we either learn ways not to do stuff or we explore things that we might want to do later. It's a great excuse to just try a bunch of shit and fail and if it sticks to the wall then you can follow it up. Like, I mean, Surgeon Simulator is the, is the, is the big success story from, from Game Jam. Uh, we are Team 13, so I'm Jake. Uh, Tim. I'm Luke. We've never tried a game outside of this week where we've just been trying the engine that, or the framework that we're going to use, we've just been making little things. Me and Tim started to check his game this week, just, just to give it a go, something simple. Yeah. I've not run any code in about like 
two or three months, so I figured this is as good an excuse as any to sit back at the computer and get back into that whole mindset of doing work. I, like I haven't touched my tablet, I haven't looked at like anything for about a month and a half, so I like I'm gonna be rusty and I know that, but you know that I figured what a good way to start 2016 is just you know chuck myself in the deep end and sink or swim. So that's that's how it is and that's how it goes. So. For me of course it's usually we're not on this sort of deadline, it's much longer and much more planned out. So it's a bit of a challenge for me as well. We've yeah. got so the coding side's not worrying me so much as time management I think will be the key here. Right, my name's Stefan, um, composer doing audio on sound here? Yeah, I'm Richard and uh, likewise I'm also doing sound and music. Uh, after the first time we came we uh, kind of knew how it all worked so we thought rather than kind of uh, jump off on a team and, and get started we'd um, just kind of we really just went around the room and saw kind of asked who needed audio who wasn't sorted for stuff. Once the concept of the game has been established then and, and the aesthetic and the general theme then you can get an idea of how the music might fit into that. Each year Global Game Jam gives participants a theme and this year they were given the theme ritual. It's called Lullaby for the Machine and how does that tie into ritual? So we started with like the ritual of rain dance. So people do like a ritual rain dance to make it rain because at some point somebody did like they danced and it rained and so they're like oh we need to dance and make it rain that's how it works. So what we're doing is basically there's this old machine, like an old piece of weather control technology, and you're inside the machine. And there are all these controls. And you press the controls, and depending on like the pattern that you press, something happens, like some weather event changes. Um, the moment we've just got the isometric dungeon crawler happening, but with a bit of a twist in that your player character avatars have literally no way to defend themselves. They can run away and that's it, but they can work together to do a cooperative summoning ritual to produce a creature to fight for them, or if they, depending on the success of the ritual, eat them. So uh, we, that's what we're working with at the moment. So We're, we're thinking of going, so definitely 3D. Um, yeah. We're thinking some sort of um, totem pole with, with sections moving, playing, forming the gameplay, yeah, so, possibly a marble dropping through the maze, with an, so having each section with an entry, an exit, one entry, one exit. Yeah. Um, tying it back to the ritual thing, so things going on to allow you to know when you're going the right way or the wrong way, sort of that sort of, so fairly simple as a, as a concept. 24 hours in, the games are starting to take shape, but fatigue is also starting to take its toll. And we've basically split up the workload quite well amongst the team. Um, we've got we've got Fred's been working on um, the character controllers um, and our ritual summoning. Um, uh, mechanic. Um, Matt's been doing the tiles. So <laughs> Matt's been doing the tiles, um, uh, the art style to the tiles, and Taylor's been working on the characters um, and NPCs. Um, and yeah, so we've thrown it all together. Rob's worked on UI today and, and design stuff. So yeah, with, with what we intended with this, um, we're looking for the uh, Diversify Infinite, which is procedural generation. Um, so we've got that now. Um, I did a heap of work on it yesterday um, and decided I didn't like it threw away four hours of code last night and started again. We've, we've come up with a much simpler, um, just, just a tile system for procedural generation. Um, I was working with uh, marching squares and voxels and I've, I've decided that it'll be too complicated so I've steered away from that. 
Um, we're not as far as long as we'd like to be, but you never are at Game Jam because, you know, you run into stuff that messes up or, you know, Unity crashes or, you know, all sorts of crazy things happen. But, you know, I'm still pretty happy. Like, it's the weather change. Like, we just got weather change going in the game. You know, in the virtual environment, it's, it's super effective, you know. Yeah, so we've simplified it a lot. Um, Lisa basically said, look, what you guys are trying to build is too complicated for people to understand, so we need to like make it easier to understand. And so we've changed how some of the interactions work. Uh, essentially, like before it was kind of you were going to create what each symbol meant. Now it's, it's a puzzle game where you have to figure out what each symbol means. I mean, I guess it's lucky that we're students, so... I'm pretty much between, like, all three of us have had three hours sleep each so far, um, and because we're young, strapping lads, we're <laughs> able to do that, uh, which is definitely useful. Um, I guess it's probably more of a challenge than I expected, but that's because we haven't really done any game development before, like a lot of stuff with, like, because we're all programmers, essentially, a lot of stuff with rectangles and stuff that we're not really used to doing, but it's not super hard, just it'd be good to be used to it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I mean, it's just coming along pretty much where how we're expecting. I think the planning came together pretty quickly, actually. Um, like, it was certainly well, a couple of hours in, and we're already starting to kind of put the pieces together in terms of all aspects, I think. Everyone started drawing and coding and making music and all the rest of it, too. So. We did have to reassess things a little bit last night as we were just like, OK, are all the ideas still flowing together? And one or two weren't, so... Our original plan was to go with something uh, basic first, uh, figure out what we wanted from that, and then rescope and replan from then. It was also very good that we had Lee as a appointed leader because he kind of organized everything, but he also listened to people and he communicated, and that was really good. The first 24 hours, uh, we didn't do that much because <laughs> uh, in yeah in the uh, process of making a game, the music kind of comes a little later once everything's been established. So we pretty much uh, got ourselves into the groups, and then we anyone who already had an idea, we listened to them and jotted down ideas and kind of messed about with a few things but otherwise it was a uh, waiting game yeah waiting game waiting until people actually had the idea had the aesthetic down um, and then once that was the case we just like cracked down and got it done well, I guess I guess on the other side of that as well um, it, it gives us good uh, practice at going through that kind of uh, project management st stuff in a very condensed time frame so getting through like uh, concepts and, and drafting and and uh, mocking things up like even though we're not kind of very full-on the first 24 hours or so we you know we start just on a lot of sketches and things like that and try and get ourselves ready so that when when the crunch does come and everyone's finishing up the games and they're starting to ask for all of the sounds then it's not too much of a, a trial at the end to push through it all and get it all done we'll be back with the jammers very soon to find out what they learned over the weekend. That was kind of at the 24-hour mark, so we checked in after one day's of progress, but we'll see how they went at the end, and we'll go on to our next segment right now. You're listening to Pixel that's right. You're listening to Pixel Sift. We are a video game podcast out of Western Australia. We are joined on the phone by Mitch. Say hi, Mitch. Hey, man. Cool. What's up? That's great. Listeners. You're still there. The technology <laughs> works. We've got the skills. Yep. We've got the skills to bring you the video game commentary that you are after. This week... We're using, 
Yes. Using, using future technology and, you know, early 90s technology. That's right. <laughs> Emerging of technology. Together. Just like the show, we take uh, to the, the, the next gen, the past gen mm. and the current gen something all together. New, something old, something borrowed. borrowed I don't, I don't, something I don't know how the thing goes. That's right. You're the married one. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, this year, this week, I'm just going to jump in. Jump We're speaking in. Uh, failed game developments as well as uh, you failed, you just failed, failed gaming things, I guess, consoles, etc. This is off the back of um, Ant Simulator. It's been in the news the last well, half a week, I'd say. Um, developer of that, Eric Tereshinsky of ET Ski, accused his business partners of basically squandering company money on liquors, liquor and strippers and all sorts of lewd things. So he basically did what most people... <laughs> Always suggest you shouldn't do. Yeah. And that is get so, on the internet. When do, and since when do our video game developers become rock stars and, you know... Yeah, well... Like, not behaving themselves. But also, this guy's gone out immediately and said something about it. And he said online, he's like, okay, these guys have done X. And he's put it in writing, which is always good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, these guys have already hit back and said basically that, uh, you know, Tereshinsky is 100% full of shit. Um <laughs> So, yeah, controversy surrounding all the happenings there, one side against each other. I feel like they wanted to go, if it's true, if it's true, which it probably isn't based on what these guys have just like blatantly come out and said that it wasn't. So, the game itself is, is done now. It's basically, that's it. It's not coming out anymore. Yeah. I mean, it came out as like there was a playable demo of sorts um, that they were aiming for and it never kind of got delivered. There was like a, a, a playable something of, at some point, but there was like four minutes of gameplay. Um, so, so, it was on the Unity engine. I'm having a look at it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this, I'm just looking. I'm watching a video of the gameplay now, and I'm thinking, wow, this is. I I, I kind of wish it went to production because I want to see how people would have received it. Absolutely. I, yeah, I think a lot of people would have wished it kind of went to production, and you know, it kind of came out of this this uh, you know this a simulator sort of revival where everyone was kind of like, oh, we'll make goat simulator, we'll make ant simulator, let's make, you know, cupcake simulator. We've got I am bread, which is bread simulator, you know. I love a good sim. Have we hit the have we hit peaked simulator? Maybe. Have we reached the point where nobody needs should, a simulator? We should uh, we should make podcast setup simulator. Yeah, podcast <laughs> I'm doing well, it. look that's mine. Definitely thinking about it after the week at uh, Global Game Jam. Yeah. I mean there have been some other high profile failures that we've kind of come across and you know kind of exploded and, and, and made big sort of, uh, you know, big sort of waves. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the best ones, I guess, that sticks in my mind is uh, Shenmue, which is uh, a game that came out on Dreamcast, which I guess is also another failure as probably a console. Um, Shenmue is pretty wicked. It was based on the Virtual Fighter engine and sort of like an 80s Japan-styled APG, uh, RPG. Sorry. Um, and it is kind of classic due to its like cult-like status, but it was sadly kind of a bit of a flop because it was released on Dreamcast. No, at the time though, it was the most expensive game in, uh, like ever made. So like that was the biggest issue. You know, every Dreamcast, every every owner of Dreamcast would have had to purchase two copies for it to have ever like you know. Um, I don't even know if that's turned a profit. Kind of I think that's broken cut, even. Yeah, broke even. Wow. They're, they're making a revival though. Shenmue Three has just been yeah. kickstarted. So like, and like I said, cult. It's come out there, there was again. some controversy regarding that as well, right? Wasn't there? Like the kickstarting campaign was then suddenly kickstarted by Sony itself, and then like the people's money, we're not sure where that went, and we yeah, think well, it might have gone to a marketing campaign, and that was a whole issue, right? So what happened with the Shenmue Kickstarter is that basically they asked for an amount of money that you never would have been able to make the full game for. So I guess people, the the, the argument that people make is that the money that they asked for on Kickstarter was not re- representative of the cost of making the game, and. 
Sony was obviously kicking in a stack of money um, in the background that we're not sort of privy to um, and, you know, that that's kind of bringing it back alive. But, you know, people who are making small indie Kickstarters are probably saying, well, look, Shenmue only cost, uh, you know, took in 10 million bucks and but it's not a $10 million game. It's, mm. you know, the first one was a hugely expensive game and this is going to be more expensive because it's a, you know, a, a, you know, a current gen sort of version of the same thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of where the controversy of, of, of that sort of lies, if you can call it a controversy. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, drama, um, drama, a drama. Yeah. But of, of course, there's lots and lots of stories of other indie developer failures because um, you know it's a huge risk of an enterprise, I guess, putting out any kind of indie starting game. any new business. Really, yeah. Um, are you familiar with the game Sunset? It was oh. also a Kickstarter. Um, Tell us a little bit about that one. <laughs> so it's from developer Tale of Tales, who previously made a, uh, some acclaimed like art house style games. Um, one of them, they had this AV project called The Path which was quite uh, acclaimed like I said uh, anyway only 400 copies sold of it all up uh, it was a first person shooter where you play as a housekeeper uh, working for a dictator of a fi- fictional country and right. it sound, seemed good and every, it looked great and everything but like I said it just didn't sell so um, did it actually get through its Kickstarter goal yeah yeah they ma- the game made and then flopped oh right yeah, so the so people who bought it were basically everyone who wanted to buy it and then there wasn't Probably. any further audience past the point of the original Kickstarter campaign. <laughs> yeah, something so, like that. Yeah, well, that's a, I guess that's, I guess, the risk of, of being a small developer and trying to take your thing to market and see how you go well, from there. Well, on, on another note, something not Kickstarter-related is the uh, LEGO Universe game that bombed heavily because I believe the introduction of Minecraft. Yeah. Well, interesting yeah, thing about Le- this. Um, now, you probably don't know this about me but i am a bit of a lego fan <laughs> so i do know quite a bit about the old lego universe game and what happened with oh, that johnny was... johnny's got to say something real quick i got the uh, lego millennium falcon from some friends really there you yeah. go start it starting there and then build up yeah. the fleet but anyway yeah so just like the lego <laughs> millennium falcon um the game itself was actually built sort of in-house by by lego's sort of game development company um and they had a lot more of a say in it a lot more of a sort of financial stake in it than than some of the other titles that are kind of coming out now you know some of the star wars games or the indiana jones yeah. games and things like that so you know it was a big sort of it was one of the things that almost pushed lego to bankruptcy before it, they sort of had their sort of recent revival but yeah i mean that yeah. that was sort of uh, touted to be a big um you know sort of game and, and you i guess you've yeah, done they, a bit of research in that into yeah the production company net devil went out of business like almost before the game even came out Really? In 2011, yeah. When I was in 2011, and then, um, yeah. I was going to hang on Wow, we're dropping out there. Losing, losing Mitch a bit there. Oh, there he is. He's yeah. back. That's the, uh, that's the wonders of analog technology yeah, there. Reliability. Signal attenuation. I'll, I'll use this opportunity to jump back, and I've got one of my facts wrong there. It just didn't make sense when it came out of my mouth. Um, the 400 copies of Sunset, it was 4,000 because it was a Kickstarter. Half of them were for the Kickstarter, like uh, kick and, uh, supporters. Backers. Yeah, yep. backers. Yep. That just popped so is the game mind. available at all anymore? Uh, I'm not sure. It's just been pulled off. Yeah, and, sorry. Yeah, I guess we'll... Um, uh, you, can't get it, you can't get it digitally either. Really? So, hmm. well, um, go on. Some other games, I guess, uh, if, we've, if we've got time there, Gianni. Yeah, um, I think we've got it. Yeah. There's one going back from 2007 called Lair. Um, that was from Factor 5 Games. They bought out a bunch of Star Wars titles and Rogue Squadron and Terracon and whatever. Um, it was on PS3 and it's basically the six-axis controllers issues that they had. Um, that The Lair kind of combat 
uh, it was supposed to be a like, dragon kind of air ground combat oh, game. that's right. I do remember that. And awesome visuals, but it like flopped basically because it relied on the six-axis controller, which just did not do the game justice or the gameplay any kind of justice. Speaking and of flops, the six-axis controller when it first came out on the PlayStation 3... No, no vibrate function. It was such a piece of shit. I mean, no, that's why yeah, this that game's reliance weird. on it like just flopped. Yeah, I mean, it it didn't have the yeah, it didn't have vibration in it, and everyone's like, oh, it's a bit weird. Mm. Until they eventually worked out how to do it. Um, with yeah, like, I, I couldn't believe it didn't have it. I was my friends would tell me, no, it doesn't have the function, and I was like, that's not true. That that can't be that can't be true. But <laughs> it was. Yeah. But yeah, I guess they kind of put their eggs into to one basket, and you know that's the the inherent risk with uh, you know making a bit of a gamble like this. There's mm. there's going to be I guess plenty more examples that we're going to see mm-hmm. along the road. Um, plenty more uh, sort of games that are going to kind of come out, and um, you know things that may not reach the the level there. Maybe we'll see more of these sort of as sort of indie game developers have to do so much more promotion of their own own games. We might see more of this sort of public explosion um, as the whole thing kind of falls apart because it is like any business. So, you know, lots of businesses fail, and yeah. people kind of you know forget that that's that's there's money in the game. There's sort of personal experience, and, and they can fail for any kind of reason. You know, like uh, you know that, that Sunset game had a good amount of support. Uh, Lair looked like it was going really well. There was a game called Beyond Two Souls which featured uh, some acting work from Ellen Page and Willem Dafoe. Yep. Like you could think that was going to be a movie and a successful movie at that. But, um, you know, it kind of flopped as well. At any level. It, can it was merited of... for its arti- artistry and music mm. and whatever. But as far as, you know, the game went, the, you know, the, the plot was pretty silly and the characters didn't have much depth and the narrative yeah. structure was a bit questionable. Sometimes a critical acclaim is not enough to pay it's the bills. not enough. A shiny cover is not always, uh, you know, beholding of a... And awesome someone's got to pay for Willem Dafoe and Ellen Page. That's exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The money's got to go somewhere. There's plenty more to explore in this. I think we'll definitely come back to this in future episodes. Right now, though, let's go to our second part of our um, of thing of our interview with the people at Let's Make Games. We had a chat to them at the end of their sort of thing. A lot of people were very tired and very sort of you know hardworking throughout the rest of the uh, the 48 hours that they got there. So we yeah, had- they did. They started to look a bit. Um, they weren't making eye contact. And, yeah, uh, yeah. They weren't as pleased. There was a bit of a there. bit of a glaze. Did see the bags the under their eyes a bit. That's no, right. They did well. So now we're going to find out sort of the things that they learnt and some of the challenges that they experienced throughout the time. Shattered. <laughs> tired. Yeah, yeah it's pretty shattered. Um, good, but we got finished, so that's that's good. We got uploaded, we got everything everything working. So um, yeah, no, from that side of it's excellent. He did well, young child did well. Very <laughs> young Padawan. Um, yeah, no, it was good. Pretty exhausted. Um, like considering I got off a plane less than a week ago, or a week ago today, and you know I had to get back into the swing of things pretty quickly. It was really good. Like there's, I, could, I look at things, and I'm like, okay, I could have done that better, but I'm like considering. The time frame that I had to get back into things, and I, you know, finished, you know, classes like a month and a half ago, and haven't touched anything. I was like, yeah, look, I basically was a blank canvas, and I picked it up pretty well. So, um, yeah, I'm happy with it. There's things, there's always going to be things you, you like and wanted to put in, but I, I think for the most part, we've got a functional game. It's pretty fun. A um, couple little bugs, I think, that could have been polished a little bit better, but all in all, I think we're happy. Like I'm pretty happy with what we've got. So, um, I definitely think next time we do this more people for sure not not a not a, such a heavy burden on just the two of us so um but yeah definitely um looking forward to do another one that's for sure so but it's a good start to 2016 that's for sure looking around the room and seeing different artists and different programming i think that was the big thing i was like 
oh man if I was as good as that like you know so that sort of inspired the fire like and I just want to go with that and see where that takes me and if that brings me back to the game then you know that I'll do it and polish it real good then I think. So it was just coming to terms with uh, what I could and couldn't do with the system and then actually making it work like one of the problems was we wanted to set a stat when you clicked on something but we didn't know how to do that so we had to look it up online and it was just ridiculous like ugh. It's disgusting. But yeah, that was like the main challenge was just that coding aspect. But I want to take like what I've learned from today and then apply it somewhere else maybe. So uh, maybe make a better Twine game instead of going like all ambitious with it. But um, yeah, I might work on it some more. I'm not sure. But I learned about a lot about file management near the end of the whole flow. And on top of that, just the whole having to record and upload the YouTube video for the Game Jam site. It was an interesting process having not done any of that before. Um, apart from that, managing a team and realising I probably should set a few things up for when everyone else is very, very much occupied. Because our process improved over time, uh, eventually you set up a thing where you went through, you printed out all the feedback and then you set um, set tasks for different people and we went through and marked them down when we'd done them and that got sorted like that and that worked really well. Yeah, I was playtesting and just creating documentation through the whole process and eventually I ran out of documentation to create because everyone else was on track and um, I'd already given them all the feedback they needed. But that's it. So you're happy with the final result? Yeah, it's very happy. I broke my arm almost. And yeah, it, it was very nice having like an organized leader and a producer to set everyone to do things. And everyone communicated, everyone gave everyone else feedback and that was great, good yeah. team. It was interesting, at the end of the first night we realized that we weren't going entirely for our initial idea. We'd hit like a parallel to what we were going. So um, got everyone together and tried to organize how, what direction we wanted to go to. Well, I guess uh, this time around, um the, we had kind of an extra layer of uh, management between the two of us and collaboration so because obviously we're working on all of the games concurrently um, we're not really doing one than the other we, we always just had to kind of check back in with each other and keep a schedule of what we we're doing which is something we haven't really done before um, even though we've collaborated together on other stuff it's, it's just been more of a linear kind of thing um, so yeah, it's, for me that was really kind of the big, the big challenge of this one. Well, no, it was all actually really good. Like uh, it was a great experience compared to, uh, you know, the last one we had, um, which was still a really good experience in the first place. So you know, um, I think it was for me. Uh, it's probably just having an excuse to use certain libraries I haven't used in a long time before, uh, and learning or relearning certain audio aspects. Thank you very much to everyone we spoke to over the weekend. We all, we hope you got a very, I guess, much needed rest after 48 hours of yeah, thanks to everyone. long, hard and long working. Um, we'll be posting a link to the games uh, pages for both Perth sites on our website where you can download and play some of the games that were created. There are a variety of different games, many different interpretations of the of the theme ritual. So you can check those out. Play Out Perth will also be hosting sort of an expo night in the coming weeks where you can play some of these games with the devs in person and we'll post details of that event as well. Guys, you were at the ECU presentation at the end of the 48 hours um, what were some of the cool things that you saw um, yeah. yeah do you want to go, go Mitch oh uh, yeah so yeah yeah, Scott. yeah my, my favourite thing was Breakout uh, it's the um, Escape the Maze game and there was a pretty cool twist that they showed us which I'm not going to spoil here 
but uh, definitely worth checking out. It was also one of the cleanest games that I think ended up at the end of. They did the best they could with the 48 hours that they had. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it was the most kind of impressive at the end because there was a kind of, you know, a, a secret, I guess. Um, and it was almost like a couple of games rolled into one. Uh, and it, just the thought, I guess, it was really creative. And the, the team, uh, Team Rabbit Fish, which was uh, four of them, uh, they they didn't know each other beforehand. They kind of just came together and made something really cool. And it really, really impressed people as well, which is great because, you, you know, we did have a bit of a chat to them um, sort of on the Saturday at the 24-hour mark and we were sort of talking to them and, yes, they, they sort of yeah, we all met at the, the time there. And um, But, yeah, they were a bit coy about their secret yeah. feature. So all I can say that if you do have a chance to play that one, um, just make sure you properly explore the environment. Um, <laughs> and sometimes when you think you might have finished, you may not have finished. So um, just keep trying and um, see what you can find. Yeah, there was a, a bunch of cool games. Uh, the guys from Golem's Wake, which was one of the Unity, um, I guess... AOE style RTS, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was games. a resource sort of management, but yeah, also was, like you had a bunch of sort of yeah, very real time strategies. Very cool. Um, describe it. Ritual Hero, uh, which was one of the twine, uh, was the only Twine game there, and it was a team of two. Well, mm. one, two, yeah. And Twine's kind of like a sort of a choose your adventure story game style yeah, game. Yeah, and I think he like clocked up over six thousand words on it. You know, so it was very pretty impressive. impressive by the end yep. of it. I, I mean, they were all really good. I don't want to single anyone out, but. Um, they were all kind of cool, and um, there's also um, you know a whole bunch of games at the at the Murdoch site as well, when they're all available to download. There are also lots of other games you can get on the website for the Global Game Jam. Um, we'll put a link up to that, and you can check out some of the you know 36,000 uh, games that were created. Well, 36,000 people, 6,300 6, games were created. Wow. Um, so quite a few games that were created across the world um, with lots of different interpretations of the of the theme of ritual. That's pretty much all we've got time for today. We've reached the end of our episode. We've reached this week's ritual. It has reached its completion. Um, we'll be back again next week with another episode of Pixel Sift. If you want to check us out, we have a website. You can go to www.pixelsift.com.au. Scott, on social media, where are people going to find us? Uh, they can find us at facebook.com forward slash pixelsift, twitter.com forward slash pixelsift, and twitch.tv forward slash pixelsift. YouTube as well. You can jump oh, onto yeah, YouTube and find right. us there. And Mitch, uh, if people one. are listening to other episodes, where are they going to head to? Yeah, you can go to our not-so-brand-new but still-shiny website, um, pixelsiv.com.au, and you can also go to iTunes, Pocket Cast, or the RSS link on our page. And while you're on iTunes, if you could give us a rating and a review, that would really uh, appreciate that. that would, we'd also like to hear a bit of your feedback as well. Uh, if you might like to see a particular topic that you thought might be interested in, something you'd like us to sort of investigate or, or talk about, we, we'd love to hear that. You can do that. Just do a comment on, yeah. on our page. Or you can also find us on social media and send us a message there as well. Looking yeah, if you want to know if Johnny actually wrote that ritual comment earlier, I don't know that <laughs> That's right. Uh, we will see you guys again this time next week, which is whatever time you listen to this because it's a podcast. Um, and thanks for joining me guys we'll see you again next time thank you very much gotcha. if you're in the market for a super addictive puzzle game you have to check out mini motorways on apple arcade it's a city planning strategy puzzler with an incredibly satisfying gameplay loop. Enjoy unlimited access to over 200 incredibly fun games with no ads and no in-app purchases. From puzzle and adventure games to sports, racing and multiplayer action games, everyone can count on finding something to love. 
Head to sifter.com.au slash arcade to start your free trial of Apple Arcade today. That's sifter.com.au slash arcade for a free one-month trial of Apple Arcade, and you'll be supporting independent video games journalism. New subscribers only, $9.99 a month after free trial. Plan automatically renews after trial until cancelled. 